Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Whose podcast is it anyway? Episode 39. Welcome to my mind map. I want to talk about music and what effect it has had on me as a person. I'll begin by saying that I listen to a lot of different types of music, from classical to country to swing and jazz, but the type of music I most identify with is rock and roll. I don't know if this is the proper category anymore, but when I was a kid and found rock music, it was called rock and roll. Now, if rock and roll has you imagining 1950 and the Big Bopper and Buddy Holly and Elvis Presley, then you got it. If it inspires you to... Think of the 1960s and the Mamas and the Papas, the Doors and the Stones. Again, you're right. Maybe you're a child of the 70s, and when you think rock and roll, you think Black Sabbath and Pink Floyd. Again, you're not wrong. Maybe, like me, you're you're the stardust of the 1980s, and the hair bands of Guns N' Roses, Bon Jovi, and their ilk is what you call rock and roll. Again, you are still right. I mean, I could continue on to the 90s and beyond, but I I think you get the idea. Music influences influences us more than we give it credit for doing. I was formed. It was formed. What the hell did I write here? I was formed by music early in my life, around 1986 or so. I grew up in a country music household that that. What the hell did I write here? Okay, I'm going to... All right, so cut out the last two minutes. (laughs) I grew up in a country music household that... And I knew that that wasn't the music that I was going to love. My dad would occasionally turn on the oldies music station, and that was much closer. But it lacked an edge that I like in my music. Then one year for my birthday, my mother gave me what she thought, I'm sure, was a harmless music tape. Anyone out there listening remember tapes? It was called Avon's Rock in Rio. It was all the bands that had played at the Rio Music Festival the past year. And there was a little song by Bon Jovi called Wanted Dead or Alive. And I was hooked. I played that song over and over. I mean, there were other good songs on the tape. Tina Turner singing What's Love Got to Do With It. There was AHA singing Take On Me. But the song I learned exactly how long it took to rewind from the end of the song to the beginning was Bon Jovi's Wanted Dead or Alive. I think music, especially loved early on, shapes how we go at life. I found that rock music has made me bolder and perhaps a little brash. It makes me remember that I'm in charge of my life, not them, whoever them are. All right, so a little note on this week's guest. It's a switch. Carl Olson, who was here, was to be here this week, was unable to, but we will talk to him next week. This week, we have... Next week's guest, Mike Herbert. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. How are you doing tonight, Chad? I'm doing great. So, 
I want to start with something new in this portion, okay? Instead of just letting you ramble on and tell us uh, what you think we want to hear, I'm going to do a section that I'm going to call five questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, question number one. Mike, what's your favorite food? Ooh. You know, I'm a, I'm a steak guy. Steak? I, I can enjoy a good steak, yes. I, I think we all can. <laughs> question number two. We talked about music tonight. Who Who's your favorite band or musician? Well, man, you mentioned, you know, Wanted Dead or Alive, so that's what's playing in my head right now. But, you know, um, I'm, I'm kind of that rock and roll kind of kid, too. So you, you can uh, – Michael Jackson's been something that's been playing a lot lately in my in my okay. pod, too. Uh, Michael Jackson, great artist. Uh, nothing bad to say about him um, as far as his music goes. Yeah. The rest yeah. of it we won't talk we about. I'll go there right now. All right. So third question. What's your favorite game? Ooh, my favorite game. You know, I would have to say um, I'm a I'm a good stickler for one that I learned uh, not too long ago, The Nuns on the Run, which is a really comical game that yes. I love playing. And so just one that, you know, when I need a good time, I'll pull that one out. All right. Fourth question. What's your current occupation? Uh, currently, I am a student sports specialist for Skyward, which is the um, educational software company. Okay. And the last one, it may sound like I'm trying to pull you in here. But this is an honest question, okay. and don't think you have to answer the way you think I'm probably going to want you to answer. <laughs> I know you listen to podcasts. Yep. What's your favorite podcast? Ooh. Overall, any podcast? Yeah, overall, any podcast. The, the, the one that I've been listening to on a daily basis is, I just got into it, it's actually a new one, um, and it is NPR's... Um, it's like their morning clip or their sunrise, whatever they call it now. Um, it's like 10 minutes of like the three top stories you need to know about what happened, you know, overnight. Oh, okay. And it's perfect because it's that I have just enough time at work where I can listen to that before anything else starts and I kind of feel like I know what's going on for the day. So. Okay, fair enough. Um, I actually came across a new one too that I'm going to pimp out here even though they don't know I'm going to pimp it. It's called Dark Science Radio. Ooh. You can find them online at darksciencedradio.org. And it's actually, they, they warn you, it's not for children. They do use foul language, but it is science for adults. They just dropped their first um, episode not too long ago, uh, but it is called, I think it's called like Missing Planets and Venom or something like that. And I'm about halfway through it. And that's all I, that's all it took. <laughs> and I'm like, I love this. This is, this is amazing. I think this is going to be a really good podcast. And I encourage anybody out here to, to go go listen to it. I'd encourage you because I know you like okay. uh, that kind of That's stuff too. Yeah, so, absolutely. All right. So now that we're through that, you can tell us whatever else you'd like to tell us. Uh, this is your time. This is my time. This is your time. <laughs> or you're my time. <laughs> Either way. Well, you know, it just um, – I don't know. I, I guess um, since my last podcast with you, I've been thinking a lot about um, – where we go next and, and other things we can talk about. Um, I was the political junkie before the election and I kind of tried to avoid that, uh, that subject right now. It's, it's kind of a, not necessarily a bitter subject, but it's definitely a controversial one. So I, I, I don't tend to think, go there very often. I don't think either <laughs> of us sitting here got the president we wanted. No, I don't know if the option was really on the table at that point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to this day in history and then we'll hit your topic. Okay. All right, so today in history, of course, I get all my stuff from history.com slash this day in history. April 28th, 1916, 
Ferruccio Lamborghini is born. On April 28, 1916, Ferruccio Lamborghini, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right, the founder of the company that bears his name and is known for stylish, high-performance cars, is born in Italy. After World War II, Lamborghini founded a business making tractors from reconfigured surplus military machines near Bologna, Italy. He later expanded into other ventures, including manufacturing air conditioning and heating systems, and grew rich. Lamborghini's success enabled him to purchase a variety of luxury sports cars, including a Ferrari, considered one of the top cars at the time. After experiencing mechanical difficulties with his Ferrari, Lamborghini decided to start his own rival sports car company, even hiring a former top Ferrari engineer. Automobili Lamborghini was officially established in 1963 in Sant'Agata, Bolognese, Italy, and the same year debuted its first car, the Lamborghini 350 GTV, a two-seater coupe with a V12 engine. The company's logo featured a bull, a reference to Ferruccio's Zodiac sign, Taurus the Bull. Various Lamborghini models had names related to bulls or bullfighting, including the Mura, named for Don Eduardo Mura, a breeder of fighting bulls, a mid-engine sports car that was released in the mid-1960s and gained Lamborghini an international following among car enthusiasts and a reputation for prestige and cutting-edge design. In the early 1970s, Lamborghini's tractor business experienced problems and he eventually sold his interest in his sports car business and retired to his vineyard. Automobili Lamborghini changed hands several times and in the late 1990s was purchased by German automaker Volkswagen. The company continued to build high-performance cars, including the Murcielago, capable of 250 miles per hour, and the Gallardo. Ferruccio Lamborghini died on February 20, 1993, at the age of 76. Sounds to me like a life well lived. I would think so. <laughs> it was kind of funny as I'm reading this and, and seeing the words Ferrari and Lamborghini next to each other, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, those are like the two, those are the sports cars, you know. Um, but uh, Those are two cars we're never going to be able to drive, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I won't. Well, I... <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Well, yeah, Ferrari and Lamborghini. I have driven a Porsche. Oh, there you go. Okay. I, it, it's a long story, uh, but I did get to drive a Porsche once, and it was a lot of fun. But anyway, so, Mike, what do you want to talk tonight? Mike, what do you want to talk about tonight? Remember, you need to capture the imaginations of the listening audience, and more specifically, me. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> what do you got for us tonight? Well, you know, so I, I have been thinking. I, I went through a couple of different topics through my mind today, and I came to the conclusion of maybe trying to draw um, maybe some people in who are not as big of a gamer as um, others. I was a new gamer, or I still classify myself kind of as a new gamer. Well, yeah, you started gaming two oh, years ago? Yeah, something like that. Seems about right. And it, I mean, really, you've gamed with our group on Sunday. Yep. Have you And board gaming. Yep. Have you done anything outside of that, though? Not really. Okay. So for me, I'm still new, especially when you get into that role-playing type gaming. Very different, very different scenario, very different situation to what anything I'm used to. So okay. I thought about bringing the maybe the expert newbie kind of perspective to it, you know, and how that how that works. <laughs> Wait, am I the expert? <laughs> because in a lot of ways, in a, in a lot of the games we play with Brian, I too am the newbie. I had never played Savage Worlds before playing with Brian. 
Um, I have never played. I had never played. Um, what is it? Seventh Age? Is that the one we I played? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I had never played that before. But the thing about role playing, and I suppose I kind of do get the expert tag on me because the thing about role playing is once you realize how to role play, the rules really don't matter. The rolling's ir- irrelevant in a role playing game. I mean, to a point. I mean, you got to roll well at times, but yeah, it's the backstory that you have that's more important than anything. Story is more important than anything, and. To, to point that out, I mean, let's look at the game that um, is is about to wrap up, I think, with our with our Darklands Noir game. We think. We think. <laughs> we could be way off, but we think it's about ready to wrap up. Hint, now, hint, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, let's let's think about this. So I had the character um, of Kelly, or Kazgir, the, the voodoo practitioner. Yes. Which I pretty much sacrificed. Because it helped speed up the story. It helped to define the character. It helped to, what I thought was bring an end to the story. And then Brian went, nope, there's more. <laughs> and so... Happens quite often. Well, yeah. <laughs> but the idea was that um, this little five foot nothing guy, 120 nothing pounds, jumps on a 20 foot alligator. And wrestles him basically to keep its mouth shut so it couldn't bite anybody it was it was incredibly um amazing you know that. <laughs> and a lot of that has to do with not so much that you know chad as the player went you know this might help this will keep this alligator from biting somebody but the way that the story unfolded and brian told the story he could have went well he could have said you know well yeah you got it by the mouth okay well but then he didn't he goes you know what do alligators do they thrash around. They thrash they... around. They try to get free, and they and they roll, and they do all this stuff. And so I'm just building up damage here, you know. And I'm and I'm and I'm spending chips like crazy. Uh, for those of you out there listening, they they have um, little chits, and they, I forget what they call them. Ben- Benefits. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Bennies. They call them bennies, and you get so many in a night. And I'm just chucking through them because every time I'm rolling. And this is where rolling is important. <laughs> I was not rolling well enough to hold on to this alligator. Which so, is usually my role. My role is usually the one to roll really poorly. That's my <laughs> job on Sundays is I roll poorly and then... We pick on we him. We pick on me and then we move on. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> normally our, that's normally a Sunday night if anyone's curious. But, you know, it, it has a lot to do with decisions that are made, dice rolling to a certain yeah, degree, but it comes down to storytelling. And the thing about role-playing, and the thing that a lot of people don't understand about role-playing is, role-playing is collective storytelling. Because for a long time I thought, the DM, or the GM, or the Keeper, or whatever label they have, the guy that runs the story, he's the guy that has to tell the story. Which is true to a certain degree. He has to, he has to lay out the foundation for the story. He, but he just lays out the bare bones. Everything else is fleshed out by the characters. And over my years as a DM, I have learned that, you know, number one, you need to have a skeleton of sorts. I used to sit down and I would go through and write a story. I would I would literally write stories. And then I would get there and the fucking players would do nothing I wanted them to do. Right. They, they have their they have a, a plan of their own, you just don't know about it. That, right. That's the, the factor that you as a GM don't really understand that 
they have a different motive than you do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like selling uh, some kind of hallucinogenic like, like, drug. Like sell us a dream weave. You know, it's okay. Yeah. It's all good. But, so, you know, I would get very frustrated. And then I thought, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. I, w- I would write the story and I'd be like, if I wanted them to go left and they went right, it didn't matter. So I would take what was supposed to be on the left-hand side and throw it to the right. And then as I played more and more and more and got more time under my DM belt, I would just simply go and I, I started doing bare bones writing. It's <coughs> a nice thing about editing. <laughs> so I would do a bare bones type thing. I would think of it like the golden arches of McDonald's. So you got you got a big arch and it comes down to a point. So each of those points, each bottom part of the golden arches is something that has to happen in order to tell the full story. Everything else in between those parts is up in the air. I throw it up to the players. You tell me how you want to get there. You show me how you want to get there by the way you play and by the decisions you make. Now, I think Brian does that a lot the same. The big difference between Brian and I is I write the arcs, and Brian tends to run out of pre-made modules, which is fine. Either way works. I'm not a big fan of pre pre-made modules because they don't in my mind they're not a, they're not free enough right they're not situational because things happen right in front of you and that's going to change how that story lays right. out as you, right as you know and i it. may and i may write a timeline like you know you make up years or whatever so let's say i'm running a horror-based campaign so it starts in 1920 in june and by august of 1920 this has to happen by september this has to happen you know and so these things will happen regardless if you as players get there or not. <laughs> and it and the effect of that kind of ripples out from that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's something that you really need to be part of, I will, I will as uh, the old saying goes, I will put you on a train and take you there. <laughs> I will railroad you into that location. But very rarely do I have something that, that, that has to happen within the group. It can happen outside of the group. It can influence the world around the group, and then it's a whole other thing of how do we now deal with this thing that happened. Absolutely. So, but as a player, um, you've never played with me, I don't think. Not with you as a GM. No, no. 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 Um, as a player, I tend to be kind of a wild card. <laughs> I know this because it's it's been, up until recently, very rare for me to be a player. I always ran. Mm-hmm. And I did that for 15 years. So now when I get a chance to play, I, I do enjoy playing. I do still enjoy running, and I still do from time to time. Um, but, you know, it's just something about role-playing being a group cohesion storytelling. And it's not like you and I can't tell a different story. We often do. Yes. <laughs> we do. But, you know, it's not like... When I say group storytelling, it's not like everybody has to get together and agree this is what's going to happen. That is Brian's job as the DM to put all those pieces together. Now, you know, they'll say, you know, never split the group up. Personally, I call bullshit on that. Yeah, we split it all the time. We do. <laughs> now, that has a lot to do with the DM, too. Yeah. Um, you know, they say don't, you know, good good adventurers always go left. Yeah. No. Uh, 
Uh, you know, there's all these different things that people say about role-playing and this and that, but really, in, in all reality, it comes down to the person running the game. If the person running the game can put out a nice, pretty skeleton that can be fleshed into something that is going to be fun for everybody to play, and that's the key as a DM. If you run a game that is sound as far as rules go and this goes and that goes, and nobody has fun, it doesn't fucking matter. Exactly. <laughs> And, you know, the rules The rules are important, yes, but there's also got to be some flexibility in those because, you know, in life there's a little bit of that gray area. you got to have a little bit of gray area in your, in your game, too. Yeah. I think that's what keeps it exciting. I think that's what keeps it um, unpredictable. And I think I, that's, a, that's a huge piece of role-playing is the unpredictability of it. Okay, so now you've heard from the, quote-unquote, the... the uh, expert. We'll the call expert. <laughs> we'll call me the expert for tonight. Now, what is it about role-playing that you enjoy? Well, at first it was totally nerve-wracking. I mean, I've never been in a situation where, you know, you're, you think of role-playing and you think of, like, going out to the, you know, field and dressing up as a, as a you know, soldier or whatever. And So, more, more, <laughs> of, a, more of a LARP thing yes, is what you were thinking. Yes, yes. That, okay. That's, that's that initial response. And they're going to go role-playing and you're like, oh, gee, that sounds like fun. <laughs> well, in public? We do this in public? Are you sure? <laughs> funny, funny story about that. I, I will tell you a quick role-playing story. So my wife works for an insurance company. And this was years ago when she first started working there. And she was talking to some of the people she works with. And she said, oh, Chad's going to go role-playing this weekend. He's going to be gone Friday and Saturday night. And he'll be home sometime Sunday. And they went, and you're okay with this? And she's like, yeah, why not? She said it's cheap and he has a lot of fun. <laughs> and they're like, does he do this with just guys or guys and girls or, and she goes, well, it's, this group is just all guys. And they're like, and you're okay with this? <laughs> now their thought of role playing <laughs> was in the bedroom. Yep. <laughs> once Nikki, once that struck in Nikki's head, she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so that's one of the funnier stories. The, the other funny story was when Nikki and I first started dating, um, seriously, after we got engaged, and her she was talking to her mother, and she said, oh, yeah, Chad's going to go gaming. She goes, oh, does he do it often? And she, she goes, mm, every week. You know, mm -hmm. they do it like once a week or whatever. And she's like, how, how do you guys afford that? And she's like, well, it's not that much. He just goes and – Takes a few sodas, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like he's got a couple books that he bought. You know, those are kind of pricey, but, the, you, you know, the reusability out of them, whatever mm – -hmm. Her mother thought gaming was going gambling. Oh. So she thought I was going to the casino every weekend. And she's right. That I could not afford, especially, especially when we got married. That's right. That's right. Like every married couple, you know, we were, we were dirt poor. But anyway, so back to you now. So you were, you were stressed out. You were like, oh. it was, it was nerve wracking. It really was to be kind of quote-unquote thrown into the situation where I'm like, okay, how does this work? And you just kind of have to, you have to come up with a story and, it's, and sometimes you got to be a little quick on your feet because you can have a story walking in as a player that doesn't pan out very quickly either. Um, you know, you have to be able to adapt to your, your, your fellow characters that are very easily changing what you thought your plan of the night was going to be or your story was going to be of the night. <laughs> well, a few weeks ago, after Kelly died, in comes Cyrus. <laughs> and Cyrus is your boss. Yeah, we'll, we'll call him that. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually one of those, it was one of those small loopholes that Brian and I decided to mess with because 
technically you work for um, this this two two older guys who were really irrelevant. Pretty much ninety nine percent of the story until Kelly you know, died. The eleventh hour, you know, all of a sudden this guy's important. I mean, before he and one of the guys shingle, and one of the guys is dead, and I'm the other guy. I'm still alive. I had just went through a a period of sickness, and so you had literally been running this place, and I come in there and I'm like, place is a mess. You, the guy I hired, <laughs> clean the damn place up, and you're like. <laughs> as you're cleaning up and you know and it was it was fun in the fact that chad and mike knew we were not mad at each other right exactly absolutely but in game it was just like <laughs> you could just see your character he's just seething he just lost one of his friends uh he lost one of the guys who had one of the best abilities to kind of tell if they were walking into how dangerous the situation they right, were walking absolutely. into was. He was my gauge. He was my, you know. Right. He was the water tester. And now this guy <laughs> comes back and he's like, suck it up. Clean the office. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I'm taking over. I'm moving back in. I'm going to start investigating with you guys. So fill me in on everything. And you're like, um. I don't think so. That's kind of what I said. <laughs> I got threatened to get fired like a bunch of times, which, you know, is not normally. That, that's the other thing about role playing is that. I can live out some of my, you know, my dreams outside of real reality there, and you know, as you as you mentioned, I was selling, uh, you know, Dream Leaf in the one in the one yep. episode. You know, I was able to and do I'm, something I would never do in real life, but you know, you're able you, to kind of act that out. You wouldn't sit out on the street corner and sell dope. Probably not. <laughs> I like how you say probably not. I suppose there's always that. You never know what might happen. There's always road, that but... scenario, I guess, in everybody's life where you would do something maybe questionable. Yeah. But as of right now, that's something right now. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, me either. I'm not gonna go out and you know sell weed. I'm not gonna go out and sell my body. Yep. Not that anybody would want it. <laughs> not gonna go around killing people, but we can in this in this in in our in our role playing pretty easily. You know, I might I might add. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another funny aspect of the game we're playing right now is we are quote unquote private investigators. <laughs> We're killers. <laughs> and the sad part is, it's not even for hire, per se. It's like, well, that guy's really bumming us out, so... Take him. him out. Which yeah. was funny, because Kelly was completely against that line of... Absolutely. Every time. He was just like, why are we killing this guy? But he never left. That's right. He just stuck with us, you know? He just kind of, like, shake his head and <laughs> not buy you coffee for a couple That's mornings. Right. And... right, you know, you know, he... he, he... Go do something else or not show up in the office right away. He'd eventually come back. Right. It's part of the story. He has to. We kind of know that's going to happen. Right. And and of all the players, I'm probably the one that misses the most sessions just because of, you know, I'm getting ready to go out of town on Monday or, you know, something's going on with the family or everybody else. Well, Brian, Brian and Nikki, are, they live there. Uh, they kind of have to be there. They, they kind of are there by default. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they're out, we're all out. So... But, um, so, as you got more into it, you got more, you got more involved in role-playing, what is it, what's the one or two things about role-playing that really kind of keep you coming back? You know, I think it's that aspect of, um, you, you, like you said, you lay that foundation and then you want to see what layer you're going to build next. Um, because just because you come in with a plan or just because you think you know where the direction of it is, um, that's not always the case. There's that element of, surprise that element of just how things can be um, tweaked or twerked at the last minute and you think you know where you're going and all of a sudden you're you just turn around and you go didn't see that coming 
Um, and I think Cyrus Torkin. <laughs> Bet you didn't see that coming. Did not see that one coming. Did not. Did not. Rick kept telling me I need to listen to that podcast, and I just didn't get around to it. And I really <laughs> suffered for it that week because I was ill prepared for uh, what was being um, forced down upon me. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Even though the funny part about the whole thing was, is Cyrus is actually undead. He's a intelligent undead. They're called Harold. Um, and basically he died and somehow he came back to life. And other than a slight odor issue, yeah. which he can cover by drinking, which he does, which he does in excess. Quite well, quite well. Because the alcohol doesn't affect the heroin <laughs> in any way. Because you don't have blood pumping through. Yeah, unfortunate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he drinks a lot to cover the smell. But other than that... Um, it's weird because there's certain things like the demon that's inside of him has to rest every 24 hours. And so if I push this character, then I have to start making checks against the demon who wants to go to sleep. He's like a child. It's bedtime. It's time to go to sleep. And then, you know, if you're in the middle of something, you gotta be like, no, we got to keep going. And it's just like, and you have to like roll against it, which thankfully we have not been put in a position where I've had to deal with that yet. Because that's going to be really funny the first time Brian's like, okay, you got to roll. It wants to sleep. And I'm going to fail. And I'm going to go to sleep right there. <laughs> and we're going to leave you behind. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. Um, but, yeah, so it's the ability to, you know, my wife always goes, you have to role play. She goes, you get cranky when you don't role play. She's like, go, go kill something. You know, it's stress relief. It is. It is because you get to kind of do Something that's not normal. It's out of the norm of what you would normally do. Um, right. We're and definitely playing a scenario that's not, oh, let's get up, go to work, go, you know, it's, it's a lot different than that. There's but it is. That, we are. Is. We, we are at work. We are at work. We, we do get funny. up. We do go to work. <laughs> just wait till I change your hours next time. <laughs> <laughs> and they can deal with my, my quote unquote wife, I guess. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's a peach. Yes. She is. <laughs> well, actually, your wife isn't so bad. It's your mother-in-law. <laughs> so Two yes. things I don't have in real life. So, you know, there's where we can... We can <laughs> but the nice thing about gaming on Sunday nights is, for most of us, we work Monday through Friday jobs. Mm-hmm. So we game Sunday night, and you kind of get that final bit of aggression and everything out of yourself, and you go into work on Monday, and it's not so bad. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. You know, um, but... I, I don't know. I I actually have today off and I have tomorrow off and I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I spent today cleaning the kitchen. Uh, but, you know, it was one of those things where I was cleaning the kitchen. But you know what? I wasn't at work. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't know what – I guess we can kind of switch over to board games. We've kind of killed the whole uh, role-playing thing. Um, board games. Now you brought up none on the run, which I've played once. No. Um, and if I remember f- correctly, there's like one nun trying to catch all the other nuns doing things they're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. They're, the, they're the, out two, of their the two head nuns are trying to catch all the little, I guess you'd call them children nuns or nuns in training or whatever. Yeah. Call them, yeah. You know, it's just, a, it's just a fun one. Cause it's got just that, um, you know, no dice rolling, you know, really there, there's not that luck factor. It's a lot of, how you play your cards and your um, kind of your strategy on things. And I think that's, that's the huge difference between, you know, a lot of the games that, 
you know, people are used to, and then kind of this whole set, that 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 European-type set of board games where you're looking at things that are not so much the luck-based, you know, not the Monopoly that gets flipped over on the table because you've gone four hours and still don't see no end in sight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these games, you do, you know, you, you do come in, you know where you get to that point where you're like, I'm never going to win this, but at least I can see the end is now in sight. It's getting closer. You know, right, and, and there's, there's, there's three types of games in my mind. You have your European-style games, which are more of your strategy-type games. Mm-hmm. Um, you have your American style games, which tend to be more luck and dice rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the mesh games, games like Lords of Waterdeep, which is a European kind of worker placement type game, but there is some luck with the die roll. Yep. So I tend to actually fall in the middle. I tend to like those games like Lords of Waterdeep. Um, I came up, of course, on American games, you know. Monopoly, sorry. You can see some of them on my <laughs> shelf over there, yeah. Yahtzee, <laughs> things like that. But then, as you can see also, if you look around, I've, I've got like deck builder games and I've got more of the European style games. Um, one of my favorite games is Arkham Horror, which is definitely an American style game. It's uh, based on the world of Lovecraft, but there are dice galore, and a lot of it has to do with luck. <laughs> but so, where do you fall? What style of game do you like? I, I tend to lean more towards that that strategy type game. I mean, I, I think of like things like Power Grid, um, even things like Dominion. You know, those those kind of those type of games. Um, you know, Empire Builder. I can even go for every so often when I'm when I'm in the right mood for a longer you know type type game. So I tend to I don't always tend to make the right decisions in those games because I can find pretty quickly when I'm failing. Um, but at least I can see where I made a mistake versus you know when you have a a dice rolling game, it's all based on, yeah, I didn't roll well, so I'm not doing well. Or at least I can trace back and go, next time I shouldn't do this because now I'm not winning. And maybe if I would have changed my strategy, I would be winning. Yeah, where you're not, like... Not guaranteed that, but, you I, know. I built to this city because I had a small <laughs> run. But if I would have waited and built into this large city, I would have would done I much... Have, right, would I have the benefit on the back end? Right. You know. And and that's true. And I've been playing those type of games um, like Empire Builder and... Uh, Nippon rails and Euro rails and those type of games for years now. Um, I got into those when we had Chatham games. Uh, my partner Adam was a huge guy into these into these train games, you know, and uh, and, and they're great games. But like you said, they take a little bit of time. Yeah. Worst game I ever played was Russian rails. <laughs> <clears throat> we started at I want to say about nine o'clock at night. Six players, which was the max for the board, and we watched the sun come up. Oh! And I think it was about nine a.m. I went home. Ouch! It was a horribly long game, and and unfortunately, those type of games, the more people you add to them, the longer they take. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's hard. You, you know that the playing only with two sometimes isn't as great because you don't quite get the full effect. But then, yeah, you go to the six, and it's like, oh man. You know, yeah, those, three four is kind of actually nice. Yeah, three four <laughs> is the is the ideal number. Um, when you go and you play these games um, at Gen Con, because they have tournaments at Gen Con, they put th- three to four, sometimes five, if they have enough people on a board. But they never exceed five, even if the board says you can. <laughs> um, you know, I'm also big into. I love like the Trivial Pursuit games. You know, the the question and answer games, mm-hmm. um, because they're just they're fun and you know granted when you really sit down and you think about it anybody that plays trivial pursuit 
you don't get that many questions right. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> and I don't care how smart you are. I mean, it's different if it's one of these specialties. Like, I have a friend who has the Star Wars Trivial Pursuit, and he can probably answer 90% of the questions in the box. But for just standard Trivial Pursuit, the, the vastness of knowledge in those games that you need to know in order to play those games is mind Crazy. it's it's mind numbing it's jeopardy-ish i mean really when you think about it it's it's like going on jeopardy i mean right. having that wide range of knowledge and the depth too it's not just do you know like the easy thing about everything do you know some of the more complex right. things that go into some of these topics <laughs> and i get about the same number right as i do when i watch jeopardy there you, know? you go <laughs> every board on jeopardy you know i can usually i usually get three or four of them right but you got these guys standing there and like yep this that yep, yeah what is who is how is what i'm, I'm still reading question three <laughs> <laughs> if i ever went on jeopardy my entire answer would be Whatever the category is for 100. Because <laughs> those I usually have a chance at. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Once we hit the 300 mark, now we're done. <laughs> Double Jeopardy. Great. I can lose all my money. <laughs> really quickly, too. <laughs> so, all right. So, board games. What is it about board games that keep you coming back to those as well? I think for those, um, especially when we look at the strategy ones, it's just the... I want to say the complexity. It's it's like you're you're able to kind of live out a real life or real life ish scenario with what's going on on the board, um, and and really thinking, you know, not just that turn, but you're probably thinking two, sometimes three or four turns ahead to really be successful at them. Um, and a lot can happen in that in that time, so you kind of have to adjust to that plan. Um, but you know, not just looking at the face value of what's sitting in front of me you know right at this moment you know is it worth taking the hit now because five turns later i'm going to be you know way ahead of the of the curve and so um i think that's what kind of keeps me coming back to those is that just that whole concept of of that higher level thinking i think and how it how it plays out um in more than just the immediate the immediate turn right there yeah and and that's the thing too is sometimes you play these games and you go all right so if i do this this turn even though it looks great, like maybe I'll get 15 gold or whatever, but that's this turn. Where's that going to leave me in three turns? Or if I don't do that and I do this in three turns, I'm going to get 45 gold. Can I hold out those three turns? Can I survive? <laughs> long enough to, to get the bigger to get the bigger bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it is. I think it's higher level. It's it's higher level thinking. It just it makes you expand into your brain expand into a thought pattern that you don't need for Monopoly. You can't plan ahead three turns in Monopoly because you don't know what your dice rolls are going to be. <laughs> you can't plan three rolls ahead in Yahtzee other than, geez, I hope I get Yahtzee. I hope we get all fours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there, it, it's not there. Um, there's a lot of games like that. Flux, you can't, you can't think ahead and go, well, I hope I draw this card. Mm -hmm. You have to deal with what's on the table and what's in your hand. Right. You know, where games like Arkham Horror, even Dominion, you might go, okay, there's there's eight cards left in this stack, but there's only two cards left in this stack. Well, I'm going to buy the one out of the two-card stack because once right. it's gone, it's gone. It's I gone. <laughs> uh, you know, and then there's other games that kind of fall in between there. Have you ever played Alhambra? Yes, I believe so. Okay, so, you know, there's so many pieces, and you have to purchase them, and blah, 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 and you have to build your... Basically, your little town. They mm -hmm. call it an Alhambra because it's set in 
somewhere in the Middle East. Yeah, or, yeah one of those. Or Africa or yeah, something, something like that. Some desert place. <laughs> um, but basically, you're building a little town, and you have to make sure that your walls match, and this, that, and the next thing. Otherwise, they don't count. And the longer your wall is intact, the more points it's worth at the end. But that being said, you have to buy what's available based on the money you have in your hand. And you can't be like, well, I hope there's another one that does this. <laughs> you have to look at the four pieces or five pieces that you have an option of buying and be like, I can make that one work, I right. guess. And then, <laughs> well, I'm going to have to. <laughs> and then the next line is, I hope I don't pull this piece next because then I'm just done. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I get that. Um but there are fun games out there that don't necessarily need as much thinking. Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride's a good one. Yep. You know, it's one of those games, that game you can learn in one setting. Mm -hmm. I mean, the basics of the game you can learn in 10 minutes. But to be good at the game can take some time. Still learning that. <laughs> uh, let's see, what are some of the other games that you might have played? Have you played Stone Age? That one's not ringing a bell. Okay, Stone Age is a worker placement game with dice. So it's kind of that... That middle of the road, yeah. Right. So, I mean, there are certain places where you can put your meeples, because that's the overall term for little wooden people. <laughs> so you can put your meeples down, and things will happen. There's the ban there's the boom-boom hut, where you put down two meeples, you get three. Okay. Um, there's one where you put them down, and you get a field to feed your people. So okay. for every field you have, it's that much less food you have to come up with. Mm -hmm. And But then there are other ones where you're gathering resources, and then you put your number of meeples out there, you roll your dice equal to the number of meeples, then you do some little division, because mm -hmm. each one you have to have so many points to get one. And so there's kind of luck on that. So, But it, the games in general now, compared to even when we were kids... I mean, you can go to <laughs> you can go to Target now and buy Ticket to Ride or, or Settlers of Catan. Settlers you know, of Catan, and people, and people think that they're brand new games, and yeah. really they are far from the truth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and even when I had my shop, you couldn't buy them there, and that's actually part of what put my shop out of business was the fact that all of a sudden you could go to Barnes and Nobles and buy these games, mm -hmm. you could go to Target and buy these games, you could go to Walmart and buy these games for less than I could sell them for Absolutely. because. They were buying them for the entire chain. <laughs> Where I was selling a game for 50 bucks, they were selling it for 35 yeah. You know, And there was nothing I could do about it. Right, because you had to make your profit margin too, which wasn't much to begin with. Well, exactly. <laughs> That's actually one of the things about a gaming store that always blew my mind. When the big thing was, the big card game was Magic. Okay, yep. And in order to be at a rate where I could sell Magic... And compete with people, you know, the other game stores in town, and even Walmart and that, mm -hmm. I made three cents a pack. Oh, wow. Three cents <laughs> a pack. <laughs> you know, and I had guys that would come in. I couldn't sell boxes at the same level that the other game store in town could because he bought more than I did. You know, right. he was a bigger store, all this kind of stuff. But, I mean, I did have my guys that would be, when Magic came out, they would come by me. They would buy a box of Magic. They would then go to Johnny's and buy the other two or three boxes that they were going to buy. And right. and I didn't hold that against them. And that was always neat to have that, those guys that are like, you know, we really want you to work. But there's a reality to it, too. Yeah. You know, I'm buying them for $85 a box over here, and you're charging me 109 you know. Yeah. So they would come, and they would drop the little extra cash for me. 
to try to help us along. But in the long run, you know, just being undercut like that and at no fault of the other game store and no fault of, you know, people were making business decisions. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's kind of the thing when people and, and one of the things I hated about owning a store was the minute you have a business, everybody thinks you're rich. <laughs> and when you get right down to it, it's just the opposite. Because, I mean, I worked a full-time job. Adam worked a full-time job. Plus, we both worked full-time hours mm -hmm. at the shop. You know, I was putting in 90 to 100 hours a week every week. I took Sundays off. You know, <laughs> I didn't work at one job, and I didn't work at the other job. There you go. Yeah, but that's not enough to catch up in life. <laughs> no, it's not. And it was it was crazy because people always come in and are like, well, can you give me a deal? No, I, mm -hmm. you know. You are getting the deal. The deal is that we're still here and we have it for you. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, that was one of those things where it was a, it was an experiment that did not work. But it was a lot of fun while we did it. And we actually existed for like seven years, uh, only the last year and a half in a mortar store, which, you know, I can look back and go, well, if we hadn't done that, we could possibly still be doing conventions and, mm -hmm. you know, but. I think about it now and I'm like, I'm glad I'm not because that was at least one weekend every month where we were gone. Mm -hmm. You know, you had to take Friday off of work. So there went one of your days of vacation. Exactly. You only get so many of them a year. <laughs> where I work, you get very few of them a year. You probably get more vacation than I do. And you just started. <laughs> I have been, I have been at my current, at my current job. I will, in June, I will be there for 13 years. And I get two weeks of vacation every year. Wow. I get two weeks to start. I'll have a third week next year. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And I've been there for 13 years. And if I'm there for 25 years, it's not going to change. Really? We max out at Man. two weeks a year. What would you start at? Like two hours? <laughs> no, actually, it, it happens way too fast. And that's the other thing, too, is after, your, after six months, you get a week. Okay. Um, and then after a year, once you finish your first full year... You get your second week. Okay. And that's all you got. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. So, you know, it's like, even if they split it out, like, you know, you start and after your first year, you get a week. I get that. You know, mm -hmm. everybody needs time off. Yep. And then maybe five years, you get that second week. Mm -hmm. You know, something to work for. Yeah. And then... We're going to got, you know, seven days after three years or, you know, they, they kind of worked it in a little slower. Yeah, yeah it was... It was crazy, but you know, it's, it is what it is. And I've learned how to adapt to it. I always take a year in the summer, you know, for family vacation, mm -hmm. whatever. And then the other week, some people at the job, I don't know how they do it. They'll take the full two weeks, you know, they'll take one week and then I'll take another week. I can't do it. I end up breaking it up. You know, I'll yeah. take a day here or a day there. And I just took my last two for this past year, um, today and tomorrow, because in June, then I get my, reset, I yeah, reset. Exactly. So. But anyway, we kind of got off off topic there. But that never so, happens to us. It never happens on this podcast. <laughs> let me tell you. I mean, whose podcast is it anyway? It's the people's. It's the people's. <laughs> it's the people's. I like that. I like that answer. So overall, now as a new gamer, quote unquote new gamer, uh, well, you know, you're you're basically a sophomore gamer. If we want to <laughs> talk, you know, you've been at it for two years. If somebody that has never gamed before came up to you and said, why do you do this? What, what would be your response? You know, and I think why I do it is, is it's the, the games are fun. You know, it's, it's a, it's a level of fun. It's a level of doing something 
different. It, um, when I was at a job where I was working, you know, the 60, 70 hours a week too, I made sure that Sunday nights I wasn't doing anything. Like that was my, that was my time because it was like, huh, my time to just kind of get away and do something totally different than what I normally do. Um, and even though now I'm at a job where I work very regular hours, you know, so that little caveat that I try to keep in there, um, because it just is, it's a, it's a, it's a, in our case, it's a group that I enjoy coming and, and spending time with, but you know, I think it just, I enjoy playing games. I mean, I, I will play them at home with my family from time to time when I go home and, you know, just something to kind of do. It's that, you know, instead of watching TV or, you know, being in front of a screen, it's just that, that world of being outside of technology, maybe a little bit too. You know, I think that's a, that's an intriguing notion sometimes these days to just do something that's, you know, kind of more actually social, actually social. And yeah, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I, I, you know, and that's always my answer. People go, wow, why do you do this? I'm like, well, a, I've been doing it for over 20 years. It's just kind of who I am. Yeah. You're not going to stop me now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but for me, it's a social thing and you will notice that. I mean, some nights we go to Brian's and we get very little role playing done. Very little done. <laughs> Why? Because we're sitting there and we're telling stories from other games. <laughs> or, you know, it's just you're telling stories or you're talking about it. You know, somebody had a really bad customer or whatever, mm -hmm. and you can kind of commiserate because we all kind of work in a world that, even though we might have different things, I work in technology, you work in software, Brian works with, you know, parts of cars. We all have customers. Customers of some type, yeah. And we all have customer issues. <laughs> so there's that. You know, it's very social for me. There's, It's just, for me, without that social interaction, I'm a very extroverted guy, in case nobody has figured that out. <laughs> Newsflash, let's put it out there. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> uh, I'm very extroverted. I, I don't do well when I'm not with people. It's like, I get cranky. My wife will even be like, I'll come home from work sometimes, and if there's nobody in the office by the end of the day, especially if it's not a busy day, I'm just a crab ass. crazy. <laughs> and she'll be like, was nobody in the office today? That's always her first question. <laughs> and if I'm like, yeah, she's like, all right, let's go home. We'll get you some social interaction. <laughs> so I don't do well on my own, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I guess my life has worked out in that way. You know, I've, I got married young. So I've always been, someone's always been around. So that's always been a nice thing for me. Um, and for me, it's, 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 it's what pushes me to get out a little bit. Cause I could just chill out and not do anything. So that, that Sunday night kind of pushed me. Okay. I gotta, I gotta have some interaction on Sunday. Like I gotta get myself into that. Cause a lot of times uh, if I have a weekend off, I won't do a whole lot on Saturday. You know, you just, can just chill just out not, and just be the hermit. Chill huh? and be my hermit. And all of a sudden I go, what have I done this weekend? I really need to see productive. And I guess I call gaming productive. We can debate that another time. But, you know, at least it's something to kind of get me out and keep me, you know, keep that interaction going. And, oh, yes, I need to, you know, talk to people and not just not just not just sit in my room. And <laughs> Right. And, and it's kind of a neat concept that uh, Brian has brought to the game group now is that once a month, one weekend a month is going to be board game night instead mm -hmm. of role playing. And I guess it was kind of instigated by his wife, but I don't think it's a bad thing because no. board game night is we can all sit around the table. You still have that social thing, but if somebody's telling a story, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> doesn't know? necessarily affect what's going on. I can still count my cards or right. roll my dice or move my pawn or whatever, you know, while someone's telling a story where it really does stop the role playing game. I mean, if we it get does. off on a tangent, all of a sudden we turn around and go, Okay, that was 25 minutes. We're not going to get back in this game now. <laughs> <laughs> There's been the nights where we start at 7 and all of a sudden it's like 
Nikki's it's, going, it's, we got to go get the kids. It's and we're 10 like, to 9. <laughs> really? Oh, How'd that happen? <laughs> this isn't good. We moved three blocks tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've never had a night where even if nothing gets done, where I, I regretted going. Absolutely it's, not. You know, no. it's it's never been like, well, we didn't get a fucking thing done. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or I got to go to gaming tonight. Like, it's never yeah. it's never my, my line. You know, I have to go. It's I want to go. It's yeah. enjoyable yeah, yeah. to go. Um, so, and that's with any with any game. We have a another group that we get together with a lot on Saturdays, too, that I that I do. And same thing. We play more board games in there. Um, But, you know, just that, that whole idea of even being able to teach somebody something new or a different game. You know, it's always kind of a fun to let them see, you know, what you enjoy about something. And that's... I teach games very well, and then I, I royally suck at them after I teach them, so I'm a good teacher, just a horrible player. Te- teaching and doing, <laughs> you know, they always say the best teachers are the ones that can't do. Yep, that would be a <laughs> definite true statement when it comes to gaming. I win very rarely when I explain the game, and it's a it's an amazing miracle when I when I explain and win. <laughs> well, then you are just the person I need this summer because I do a I do a, a in the summer from June to August. I do a community game night, and basically um, I set up at one of the uh, local coffee shops, and I bring a bunch of board games, and uh, Dave Zemer usually brings a bunch of board games, and then I run a role-playing game in the back, and Dave teaches board games. So that might be something you might be interested in. We do it, I think Thursdays are going to be the nights this year. Um, We do it from like 6 to 9, because that's when they kick us out. Fair enough, you know, that's when he's got those constraints on you. You know, it's actually kind of funny because my daughter works there now, so I went to her boss and I said, so when we do this, she's going to be scheduled every week, right? And he goes, hmm, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But we've been doing it now for, well, actually we started when Chatham Games was still around. And uh, so we've been doing it for, let's see, Chatham went out in 12 at 17, so probably six summers now. And we just do it for the three months, um, but it's it's always been fun. So you get a pretty good turnout most weeks. Depends on the week. My role playing game, I, I have a table that they let me use, and it is always full. Okay. So that's never a bad thing. Um, this summer, actually, they're going to be uh, they're going to be guinea pigs because I'm working on some games for uh, EverCon in January, and I've been writing them, and they are going to get to play them first. Hey. Get them so, on somewhere so you can you can tweak that foundation, so to say. Exactly. We can make we can make that rib a little a little, a little less you know jagged, a little right. smoother through That's the right. curve kind That's of right. thing. That arc looks a little bit nicer. And you know, it's play testing for this kind of stuff is, is actually kind of funny because it's like so we can play test it, but then when I take it to Evercon, even if one of the people that sat there when I play tested it, they're gonna make different decisions. Absolutely. You know, you have different interactions. You have different people around the table that changes the whole storyline just right. like that. So basically, what I use playtesting for is to make sure that it works. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to write it to sell it. I'm not going to be done at EverCon and be like, "So, Mike, did you enjoy that? Mm-hmm. I have a copy right here <laughs> for $69.95. You can have <laughs> exactly. That's that that that's not my that's not my end goal when I do this. Um, have I thought about it? Sure. I mean, I write stuff all the time, uh, but 
there's too much I, I hate putting constraints on anything mm-hmm. and so writing a module <laughs> I have to I have to constrain it because you have to I mean if you make it as free flowing as what's in my head it's gonna be twelve thousand pages long <laughs> it's gonna cost eight thousand dollars and nobody's gonna buy it it's gonna be bigger than the Bible folks <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't mean in sales just in size <laughs> All right, so anything you want to wanna wrap up with? Or? You know, I guess if anyone's out there thinking about, you know, is it the right thing to do or try, absolutely. I, I say give it, a, give it a whirl. You know, when I first heard board games like this or even role-playing, and I was a little, all right, we'll see what this is all about. And, you know, it's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth the, the social interaction or just, you know, just the, the fun that, that goes with it. So and, if anyone's and on the fence, I'd say come on board. And, and a, little, um, a little PSA out there, we – do not sacrifice babies and drink their blood. Absolutely not. We have we have never never done that. Not even once. Um, you know, it's it's not. Uh, if you're religious, it's it's not evil or. Uh, it's not cultists or anything like sa- that. Yeah. I mean, though, no. there are elements of those kind of things, but that's what you're fighting against. Yeah. It's not what you are part of. If you get into a game session where you are part of something like that. You're probably not in the right game session. That's right. You're probably not in a game <laughs> session. <laughs> but I've been doing this for over 20 years. Um, I am Roman Catholic. So if anybody's going to be scared away, it's going to be me. And nothing's scaring you away right now. No. And I, and I've, <laughs> like I said, I've been doing this for over 20 years. And it's it's about being the good guys. If you're not playing the good guys, you're in the wrong game. That's right. Absolutely. All right, so let's jump into for next week, and I promise you that we will have Carl on next week. Um, it's set, so unless something happens, uh, he'll be here. So I guarantee it is to the effect of he should be here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you ever wonder to yourself, ever wonder to yourself, how do I let this guy know how much I like or hate his podcast, or think to yourself? Man, I'd love to be a guest on this podcast. Because being a guest on this podcast is... Amazing and wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) I have a great idea for a topic, and I think he'd like it. Well, guess what? You're in luck. There are two ways to reach out to me. First, send me an email at whosepodcastisit at gmail.com and leave me a message. Or if you're more into the uh, social media stuff, you can find me on Facebook at whosepodcastisit anyway. Either way, I look forward to hearing from you. And we are going to end this episode like we end every episode with quote of the day. So today's quote, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. Remove all doubt. Mm. So Abraham Lincoln, February 12th, 1809 to April 15th, 1865. He was an American politician and lawyer who served as the 16th president of the United States from March 1861 until his assassination in April of 1865. Lincoln led the United States through its civil war, its bloodiest war, and perhaps its greatest moral, constitutional, and political crisis. In doing so, he preserved the Union, paved the way to the abolition of... uh, To the abolition... Yeah, abolition. All right. In doing so, he preserved the Union, paved the way to the abolition of slavery, strengthened the federal government, and modernized the economy. So, what do you think of that quote? It's always a good quote. You know, every time you bring Lincoln in, it's always a good quote, I think. 
Yeah. But the, the, yeah, yeah, you know, hold your tongue, hold your silent, you know. Yeah. Maybe it's just not our. Maybe it's not our way. No, it's definitely <laughs> not my way. I will open my mouth and tell you I am a fool every time. I think the difference between me and a lot of people that open their mouths and they spew off stupid shit and they think they're smart, I realize that sometimes I spout off stupid shit and it's just stupid shit. <laughs> And I, it's and nice I, you do preference that you know you do you do you do preference yourself sounding very well. Going, this might just be stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, Mike, again, thank you for coming out and uh, sitting down and doing this again. And uh, I'm sure you'll be back in the future at some point. Sounds good. And uh, for all you out there listening, thank you again, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>